This is a message titled, Keys to Your Prison. Preached it at Union Gospel Mission Men's Center Shelter on April 11th, and my wife captured it. I think it's important to listen to. It's got a lot of truths in it that I think will really help people step into the freedom that God has for them in this season. So enjoy. Pass it along if you think it's helpful for someone who's fighting addiction or really struggling with breakthrough in their life right now. I pray that it is a blessing to you and that the Lord ministers life and light and His love to you through the truth of God's Word. Thanks for listening. Reaching out to Acts 16, 1 through 24. <clears throat> Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. What's interesting about this intro to what I'm going to share in the next few verses is that slave girl who had a spirit, and in, in the Greek it says she had a python spirit. So a spirit like a python. It was like a, it was connected to the, uh, the, pro, uh, the prophetess of Delphi. There was this whole tradition that was around this spiritual work, and it describes this spirit that was in her like a python. I don't know if you, I had a python. Well, I had a boa constrictor when I was in high school as a pet. And I don't know if you've ever had one before when they wrap around you and you feel what it feels like to be, um, you know, caught in the grip of something that wants to eat you, <laughs> that wants to sink its fangs into you, wants, wants to consume you. And, and the scripture says that this was the kind of spirit that was in this girl. But what's interesting is what she was saying was true. She's following them around, acting like their friend, acting like their own personal Apollo, their own personal herald of what God was going to do. And it says for many days, she kind of camouflaged herself into their lives, kind of came alongside them and acted like she had their best interests, that she was their partner, that she was able to say what they needed, people needed to hear on behalf of them. And it's interesting to me that so often in life, the enemy, the spirit of the enemy, often comes at us in a way that we start thinking 
He's our friend. That's right. Comes right alongside you. Got your best interests. Got everything you want. I'm, I'm right here to help you achieve whatever it is that you are here to do. But in reality, that spirit... His desire is to steal, kill, and destroy you, according to Jesus in John 10, 10. But it camouflages itself. And I think probably, if we all shared stories here, there's probably stories of where some serpent slithered its way into your life and at first looked like something that was worth welcoming and that was something you wanted and maybe gave you stuff you wanted. But at some point, somewhere, you got agitated. You began to see the truth. You began to discern that actually what's happening here isn't good. Everybody's got a story of where that happens. Some of it is a big crash. It's a big addiction. It's a big drama, some chaos, suffering, something. I don't know, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be just discernment at some point where you wake up that this thing that's slithering itself around you slowly this python-like reality is actually about your demise. And somewhere, if, if by God's grace, you discern that moment where you begin to get agitated, you begin to realize, wait a minute, this isn't some, something to welcome. This is something to be driven out. This is something to be rebuked. This is something that Jesus wants to drive away from me. That's the moment of powerful change. That's the moment where, where freedom can happen. That's the moment where salvation can happen. That's the moment where healing and restoration can happen. But you need that Holy Spirit to, dis, to discern that moment. To open your eyes. What's wrapped around you? How much longer do you have breath? I mean, these things squeeze. You know, they, they pressure first. And then it's just soon your lungs collapse. And you have no more ability to scream out, to fight, to breathe. That event is what led to what I'm going to actually preach on. It sets this up. You heard in that passage that everybody was unhappy with the fact that the spirit was driven out, prophets went down, <laughs> idolatry was no longer the, the cash game of the moment, and so they get them beat, they get them thrown in jail, and this is where this song Midnight comes into play here. At midnight, as we'll see in this next part of the verse, something happened. So Paul and Silas are in jail, they're in stocks. You know, feed in the wood stalks. This is not a comfortable place to be after you've been beaten with rods. And the next verse, 25, says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once, all prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Yeah. All doors open, all chains loosed. At midnight. 
darkest point of the, the night, the bleakest, the most associated with evil, the place where there's the least amount of light. And what do we have Paul and Silas doing in this dark, dark night? Praying and singing hymns. Bloodied, beaten, defeated, locked up in the deepest prison that you could put someone in where you put the worst of the worst. Down there, they are singing. What are you doing in your midnight? Where's your focus? Who are you calling upon? Who are you looking for? Where's your song? Oh, you, you don't know how hard it is. You don't know the circumstances. You don't know my lady. You don't know what the courts are doing. You don't know my addiction. You don't know my situation. You don't know my story, my background. I, I imagine it's brutal. Just like Paul and Silas's was brutal. You might be in a place right now of extreme pain in your body, in your mental life, in your relational life. Wherever you are, you may be in a place right now where it feels like it is the darkest place for you. You're in your midnight. This is actually possibly could be the most important moment of your life. Depending on who you turn to at midnight. I'm mystified by the fact that it says they were praying and singing hymns of God in the darkness but what's more interesting to me even that is this is the reality that people are always listening to what you're saying in the dark it's easy to say God stuff when everything's going well you're healthy wealthy and wise you got all the things lined up oh of course you know that that it's easy to give the testimony in those seasons of life when it's noon Everybody's got a good word at noon, right? But what's your word at midnight? What's your, what's your word when you are incapable of, when, when you've lost all your freedom? You've been in jail, you know this place where, where everything's determined for you. You've got no movement. Maybe you feel hemmed in, you've got no opportunity, no choice, no next step, no plan, no power to do anything, even if you wanted to. You don't have the resources, you don't have the opportunity, you don't have the help, you don't have the connections. You feel like you're just stuck in pain and stocks. You're in midnight. And everything within your life says, just be silent and suffer. This is your lot, to just, just sit in the dark of your life and feel the hell and the horror of your reality. But Paul and Silas weren't those kind of men. They knew that behind every veil of darkness is light. In every dark place, light can penetrate. And the way you find the light in the darkness is you turn your face to Christ and you begin to talk to him and when you begin to talk to him and you realize he's there in that cell next to you in those stocks with you in your pain 
When you begin to realize that and he starts to speak to you in your cell of life, then something next happens. A song gets born in your night. And something from the depths of you, it's not from emotions, it's not from circumstance, it's not from everything's lined up perfectly and everybody likes you, it's from with inside you, from the temple of the Holy Ghost, a new song starts spilling out. And it's only the work of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. Only God can give you a song in the midst of midnight, in the midst of a cell, in the midst of your suffering. Yeah. This is where the work of God is miraculous. This is where it's evident that it's God and not just your positive thinking or your connections or your background or your, or your hurt, you know, who you come from. When God gives you a song in your suffering, in your cell, in your stocks, and at midnight, I can promise you this, something is about to break loose. Something's about to shake. Something's about to open. Something's about to unlock. And that's exactly what happens in this story. They're singing. They're praying. And these other folks locked away around them are like, what is going on in here? This is not your typical Friday night fair in the stockade of the Roman jail. Imagine you're sitting there. You're going through all your drama, all your chaos in your own self. All your, you're going through your anger, your frustration, your hopelessness. You're falling in the pit of despair. No hope, no future. You don't know if you're going to be set free. You're going to die here, fed, not fed. You're, you're, you're just going through all your storylines in this place, right? And you're just gnawing on it like bones in the dark. And something <laughs> happens. Hear someone singing. <laughs> Stand up for a moment. You're like, Am I hearing angels? I mean, what? It's dark. You're in this cold, dank, rat infested place. And you come up against the, the wall. Yeah, yeah. Some nutcase is broken. Some, someone's gone loony. They're singing. And I'm not even in the worst place in this place. They're like down on the lower level. And I hear a song coming up from the deepest place down. Who are these men? What is going on in them that they can sing in such a place? That they have a song in such a moment? How can you sing in the dark at midnight? Everybody's listening. <laughs> and then once you listen, things start moving. And the ground starts trembling. And then things start shaking. And I'm sure when you're in that moment, like everybody in natural thought is, this is it. This is the end. My final gasp of breath is going to be crushed by all this hell of a life that's been accumulated around me and I'm just going to be squashed underneath this while some lunatic is singing. Somebody on the Titanic is singing a song. <laughs> you 
Everything shakes. Everything starts breaking. You hear everything just beginning to all hell's breaking loose. And then what every prisoner wants, the door opens. Shink. Shink. And all, they're just boom, 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 boom. Everybody, like the leper was pulled. Everything's open. But you know what? An open door doesn't mean you're free. You can see an open door. You see opportunity before you. You see a pathway out. You see that God is, is, has shown you, hey, here's the way to freedom. But there's something still the problem. You're chained. And no chained person can walk out the door to freedom. And a lot of you right now, you see doors open, but you're still chained. And it doesn't matter if there's a door open for you. That's almost like a carrot in front of a, someone who can't get to it. It's no good to have the possibility of freedom unless something sets you free to actually go out that door. And only Jesus can do that. Yeah. Only Jesus can do that. And that's exactly what happens in this story. The door's open. Then everybody's like, oh, great, great, all right. Wait a minute. It's like, and then it's some, in some moment, clink, clink. The chains just fall off. Because of singing. When God's power is present in his people's prayers and praise, chains and doors can be loosed and opened. You're like, how? how? Same as the script. I don't know how it happens. I don't know why God moves in song and moves in prayer like he does. When people call upon his name and sing his praise, Darkness turns into light. Chains come off. Doors open. Opportunity and hope and freedom are born. And that's what happened for everybody in the place. Everyone. Not just a few so not just a few holy rollers like Paul and Silas. I mean, everybody expects that, right? Who's the door opened for Paul and Silas? The chains popped off, and those dudes got free. Of course. They're the apostles. Everybody expects the good two shoes to get the blessings. You know, it's the holy rollers that are going to get God's favor, right? He loves the church people. That would be that would be totally makes sense. Because God blesses those who have just pulled themselves up and they're the ones that were praying, you know. Of course he's going to set free the choir. <laughs> the choir boys are going to get God's blessing, you know. God favors those who will sing high notes in church. No, but you know what? That is not the story. They sang, and someone else got freed. Mm. Yeah. They sang, and everyone else in the cell block C got loosed. Everyone. It says everyone. Every door, not just a few doors, every door, not just a few chains. Everyone's chains came off. That means the worst guy in there who deserves probably to be in there. Pick your worst scenario, most terrible story, the guy who deserved to be maybe in the place that Paul and Silas were, but got bumped because these were the extra, you know, these guys needed that. That guy's door opened. 
And that guy's chains fell off. You know what? That's mercy and grace. You're sitting around in your life thinking that the chains and the doors are going to open up when everything in your life gets lined up and it's just right. And you're, everything's dotted and crossed and you've got the gold star from UGM and now you're worthy of getting God's grace and opportunity and doors are open for you. You know when God's doors open? It's when you least expect it, you least deserve it, and grace appears the most bright at midnight. That's the glory of God. And God's here to say to you, you don't deserve it because Christ paid for it. And grace is what wants to open the door for you and loose your chains. Not because of how bad you are or how good you are, but actually the opposite. How sick and needy you actually are. Because you're going to appreciate that open door. You're going to be, you're going to be full of gratitude when those chains come off. And there's something about the love and grace of God that turns bad people good. See, a lot of people think this, that if you open the door and give the chains off to people, they're just going to stroll right out of there and do the same thing. They're going to go up there, kill someone, steal something, take revenge on them. You know what? There's something about the love and grace of God that does the exact opposite. It humbles you. It breaks you. It liberates you. It bonds you to the one that sets you free. You want to come before him and say, what must I do now? And that's exactly what the jailer did in the story, if you know the rest of the story. What? What now? Doors open. Chains are off. I'm free. What do you want to do with me, Jesus? In closing tonight, I just want to ask you, whose prison door is locked? And whose chains are bound because you, dad, or you, son, or you, brother, haven't sang in your midnight? Someone's freedom. God wants to bring freedom to someone. And you know who's got the key in this place? You do. God's given you a key. It's prayer. And it's do you know anybody bound anybody locked away anybody hopeless anybody in the midnight I know most of us are probably thinking about ourselves in this moment and that's completely legitimate but you know what when you begin to stop looking at yourself and begin to praise Christ and begin to pray to him that's when freedom starts happening when you give it away more comes your way. There's something completely crazy when someone at the lowest place of their life, the most difficult place of their life, is the most generous. And you probably know that. You probably already learned that. Some of the most generous people I've ever met are the people that are in the hardest places of their life. They freely give. They freely let love. They freely are there to support their they don't have anything to lose. They're already, they're already struggling. They can struggle a little longer to help someone out. There's something beautiful about that reality. And people don't know that until they get low. When you get low, that's when you discover why Jesus said God's heart is for the poor. Because there's that kind of generosity and hope and love. 
That's where songs are born. I remember one time I was on the streets of Portland preaching and sharing Jesus with everyone down on Burnside and Pioneer Square. We were gutter punks and skinheads and Merciful Fate concerts and hanging out with the homeless. And one night, we're hanging out with a bunch of people. We'd go down there, we'd just hang out and talk to people about Jesus and feed them. And just have glorious times in his presence. And I remember this one time, this, this one guy, we gave, I think somebody gave him a coat or something. And he had a ring on. It was a, like an Indian head ring. You know, it was like an Indian coin, head coin, a nickel or something like that that was made into a ring. And I remember, I'll never forget, he took that thing off and he gave it to me. The 15 year old kid on the streets at night in Portland, in Burnside, exchanging gifts with a, this homeless dude. I'm getting blessed by him. I came to bless, and he's blessing me with one of his things. You know, it's one thing for me to take a jacket off that I can go home and mom, dad, or somebody's going give, to give me a replacement. It's another thing for someone in that place, out of, out of the love of the moment and the sacredness of the moment and the darkness of the moment, when light is like sparked in that place, that they take something that they've hardly got anything, and he gives it to me. That's why God moves in prisons. Moves in the streets, moves in chapels, moves in darkness, because that's where powerful, beautiful, light kind of things happen. And I'm here just to, to just, just hope and pray that wherever you're at tonight, you would hear doors opening and your chains <coughs> coming loose. And then you would stand up and say the same thing to Jesus. What, what must I do? To be saved? To follow you? To walk in this freedom?